Welcome to Halakha Hour here on jrootradio.com. Today is Yutet Hashvan, and Bezat Hashem, we will talk about the halakhot, continue the halakhot from last week. Before we continue the halakhot, we begin as we usually do. We give you the numbers to the station and describe a little bit what the class is about and specifically this specific class today, what we're going to talk about. <clears throat> the numbers to the station are as follows. If you would like to call in, and phone calls are welcome if it's on the subject in the middle of the class. If a person has a question in halakha, it's not really so relevant to the subject. We ask that you call after class. We'll be around to answer those questions. The number to the station is 718-683-5858. Again, 718-683-5858. To text in your question on anything that we're discussing, if we're able to answer, you could, call, you could text it in at 347 927-8398 also to watch and to listen actually today I think just to listen to listen to this class you could go to jrootradio.com or listen on your jroot radio pro app on your smartphone or you could call in the following number 718-506-9099 and we'll come to our class the halakha hour we talk about the halakhot we learn the book specifically the Benish high and we build from the Benish high we describe the sources of the halakha to clarify the dinim and to also bring up all the practical nowadays examples and how to apply the halakha with the different opinions, Sfaradim, Ashkenazim, we try to bring in as much as possible, whatever we could do. We're in the middle of Parashat Vayishlah. We are discussing the halakhot of what could one speak about on Shabbat what a person is permitted to speak to himself about on Shabbat and what he's permitted to say to others on Shabbat. And we discussed a number of halakhot, even though we're up to halakha, hey, it would sound like we just started last week at the end, but really we've had already two classes on what a person could speak about on Shabbat. And now we're up to halakha, hey, continuing in the halakhot of what a person can speak about on Shabbat. The, today, Barzat Hashem, will also discuss the concept of shtareh hediotot, what one could read on Shabbat. I don't think we'll be able to finish it, but at least we'll start it by Hashem today. Before we begin, let's just award our sponsor. Today's class is sponsored by Nishmat Lidor Ben Rahel. Lidor Ben Rahel. This class is in his memory. Let's begin. Doing your calculations on Shabbat. Speaking about calculations on Shabbat, let's begin. It says over here, the Benish High writes, Asur lahshob heshbonotav. A person is forbidden to make his calculations on Shabbat. What does that mean, his calculations on Shabbat? Meaning, Whether you're talking about calculations that already happened of things in the past, or things that you're planning to do in the future. But now he's talking about it, he's trying to discuss, he's trying to work out the mathematics because he needs to know it. Okay, go on. Let's give it examples. He says, He says like this, he's talking, again, this applies even if he's talking to himself. It doesn't have to be necessarily if he's talking to other people. If he's talking to other people because now you have two people involved. But even if a person is talking to himself and he says to himself out loud and he says, you know, this building, Baruch Hashem, we're about to make Hanukkah to buy it on this building. We finished building it. I spent 
so-and-so on this building. I spent $400,000 on this building fixing it. In this case, it's forbidden. He made the calculation. He figured out, well, let's say I hired workers for a year. I promised each worker $20,000. And I had, let's say, 20 workers. So therefore, I, it comes out to a total of $400,000. So he still didn't work out the numbers with his workers. And he doesn't know if really they deserve each one of the 20000 He's working out the mathematics. He, again, he's not writing anything. He's just talking about it. And he's not talking to anybody. Still, Even though it's something of the past, the building's already put up, the workers finished their work, they already went on to the next site, they have nothing to do with them, the workers are goyim. Does make a difference. But since he's calculating something that he needs to know, he needs to know how much to pay them. It is forbidden to do so even by himself. Now, even though he says, Even though now as he works out the numbers, he comes out to the conclusion that, one second, I don't owe them anything because I paid them for this and I paid them for that and I paid them for that. So he, this guy in this our example where he hired workers to work on his building and he now he wants to see, he's calculating, it comes out the end that he really doesn't owe them anything. So really, he spoke about something that he doesn't need because they're paid for already. Still, I'm called Originally, before he started talking about it, he didn't know this. It's only now that he figured out that he doesn't owe them anything. It also applies when somebody you're talking to also feels that or, or might have a need for what you're talking about. Let's give you a practical example. Let's say you have somebody coming over to your house and he says, or it doesn't have to be in your house, in your shul. He says, wow, what a beautiful suit you have. So you say, yeah, you know what I did? You know, usually people go to the store and they just pick up a suit and they pay for it. I was smart. I went and I bought the jacket from somewhere else. And then I went somewhere else and I bought the pants separately. And then I went and I bought to the store and I bought the shirt separately. In that case, when a person's talking and he's figuring out the calculation this way, so even though it's something that happened in the past, if your conversation right now with your friend may be beneficial to him, so that's called making calculations are necessary on Shabbat. Because your friend says, wow, what a fantastic idea. You know what? I'm going to do the same thing. Oh, I'm going to go. He goes home. He tells his wife, you know, look what Moishi did. It, well, he looks fantastic. He could be on a GQ. You know, it is unbelievable. And you know how much he spent on it? He spent half the price that I would spend. Oh, he did it. He shopped smart. He went to Walmart.com. He went to Amazon. And for this one, he went here. And for this one, he went there. I should do the same thing. So in that case, even though you already spent your money already, you already don't need, it doesn't make a difference to you. So that conversation <clears throat> would be permitted and forbidden. Permitted when you're talking to yourself. You say, you know, what a smart guy I am. I bought the jacket on, from Walmart. I bought the shoes from Amazon. And I bought the pants from Hatbox. And I bought, you're talking to yourself, that's mutar because you already spent it already. But for you to go and tell somebody else, that's forbidden. A more common example would be like this. Did you know that Hatbox has a, has a sale? Did you know that this store is going out of business and it has a sale? That's for, for sure for, forbidden. Because even though you're not telling him to go buy over there, 
you only think about it. But still, when you're talking about calculations, you're talking about the numbers, they have a sale, everything's half price. To you, you already did it, you're done. But to your friend who needs to know that information, it's forbidden. Likewise with ladies, when they have conversations, says, oh, you spent so much on your maid, on your housekeeper. Why'd you spend so much? You know what you should do? You should hire three of them and give them separate hours. This way you pay them less or whatever it may be. Or you should hire one person for a full week and this way you pay her less. Whatever it may be, even though you yourself don't need to know the information, you already know the information, but to tell your friend about it, to talk about these calculations, those are forbidden. The only time it's mutar is when your friend doesn't need to know about it and you also don't need this calculation. I'll give you an example. Somebody tells you, what a beautiful wedding you made. You know, I, I, I personally, I don't know if I could pull off such a wedding, you know. Well, I, I can't afford it or whatever it may be. But how much did you spend on this whole? How much did you spend on this wedding? Such an example, such a case is permitted. Why? You already made the wedding. And now you're trying to figure out the money. You don't remember because you paid each one separately. You paid the photographer separately. You paid the whole separately. You paid the caterer separately. You paid the music separately. You paid the drink separately. You paid the valet separately. Now you're sitting down and you're putting all the numbers together. You already paid for it. And your friend that you're talking to doesn't have any kids to get married, you know, that are getting married anytime soon. Or, you know, let's say he already got all his kids married. Or he's not planning to make a wedding in the same hall that you made. It's an out-of-town wedding. Such a conversation is mutar. Even though you're mentioning numbers, even though you're saying, I paid $50,000 for this, I paid $10,000 for this, and I paid $5,000 for this, that's all permitted because it's heshbonot ashe'abar she'en lahim tzorikh. Here are the conditions. It's, first of all, on something that happened in the past. Number two, there's no need in my calculations right now, not for me and not for somebody else. Then it would be permitted. Okay, so again, let's repeat the case, the halakha, and when is it muta? Anytime a person is speaking to himself others about calculations regarding how much he spent or he's planning to spend on something, when there's a necessity in his speech, when there's a need for someone to know about it, whether himself or somebody else, it's forbidden. However, there's absolutely no benefit whatsoever, not to him or to others who are listening to him in his conversation, Let's say it's just for bragging rights. You know, that's not called a uh, necessity. You know, the, the guy wants to show off. The guy wants to have some kavod. He wants to say, wow. You know, some people get kavod by mentioning how much they spent, by bragging that they spent so much money on something. And some people get kavod by showing how smart they are that they're able to get it so cheap. In different uh, uh, communities or different uh, levels or, or in society have different reasons for why, you know, why they say how much they spent. Some people say, you know, I, you know, they could have spent only twenty thousand. They'll make it into a hundred thousand. And some people, they could have spent eighty thousand, but they make it that they spent only ten thousand just to show how smart they are that they didn't get ripped off. In any case, you're doing it purely for kavod purposes and all these things, and nobody is going to be able to copy you. That's mutar. It'll be the same thing if somebody comes to your house and he says, "What a beautiful renovation you've done." Again, if your conversation will not be of benefit to him or to yourself, it's mutar to talk about. You're allowed to say, "Oh, you know." I got the tiles for very cheap. I got them for half price. There's a store going out of business. I hired some worker that I found in the street. You know, he's not licensed, but you know what? At the end of the day, I trusted him. Somebody told me he's good. He did my tiles. And I got this person to paint my house. And me and my kids are the ones who, you know, pretty much, uh, you know, built the bathroom. That's all fine. Because you already finished. You paid for it. 
and your friend is not planning to do the same thing as you, or at least you you know for you know pretty much you know that he is not planning. That's all permitted. With this heter, I would like to read you the conclusion of the Benish Hai. And he brings over here, he says the following, Like we mentioned in the past, these halakhot are very fine line. Meaning, even with the heterim, you have to be careful not to talk things unless they're really the Torah. Like we mentioned, some people even just speak in Lashon Kodesh. Why? Because your words on Shabbat have to be different. So he says, even though it's permitted to speak about such things, you have to be careful not to talk too much about it. Okay, you're excited, you got a new house, you renovated your house, you got a you got new suit, you got new things. Don't talk about it all about the money. Talk about other aspects of it. Talk about how much you learned in the house. He quotes Hidda. Listen to this Hidda. Even though we said regarding calculations that happened already, it's from Mutar. He says, there are those who still are forbidding. They, they forbid any Hashbanot of, of the past. And a person who is sensitive and he cares about his neshama more, distance yourself away from these hashbonot, even though they happened already. Why? Even if it's 100% permitted. We all know when you talk, your conversation, especially in our days, there's no restrictions on our conversations. And even when we're allowed to speak about certain things, our conversation may lead us the things are forbidden. That's why the best is try to be quiet as much as possible, even when it's permitted. So again, mutar min hadin, 100%. But the rule is as follows. You got to be careful in these halakot. These are very bored on halakot. It's kind of like a person who is told by a doctor that this plant, you should go, you know, you go into a forest and you should know almost every leaf in the forest is poisonous. But you should know there's Two types of leaves are not poisonous. Those you're allowed to touch. The only thing is, you got to be careful. Rabbi, Rabbi, you know, they're surrounded by a lot of poisonous uh, plants. Now, I can't tell you they're all poisonous. That one is not poisonous. Just be careful. When you're touching, you only touch the ones that are not poisonous. So, you know, you're allowed to, but how much time are you going to spend over there around the non-poisonous plants? You have poisonous plants right all around you. Same thing over here. Even though it's permitted to talk about certain things, it always, almost always leads to Forbidden conversation, a person has to stay away from them. We move on now. Halachavav, the Mishai talks about speaking about money that you spent. Pretty much very similar to what we said. And <clears throat> it's really included, but we'll just do it inside. He says like this Similar to what we said again, a person is not allowed to say. Over here, you're not figuring out anything. In the previous halakha, you're trying to figure out how much you spent totally. You know, sometimes you go to a few different stores, and now you're putting all the numbers together. That's talking, that's called hashbonot. The next halakha, well, you know the numbers. You know how much you spent, and you want to say now, you know, you, your wife comes home and she tells you, you know, this week I spent $300 at the grocery. $400 at the supermarket. $200 only on meat. These are hashbonot she'abad. These are not hashbonot. Really, you're just telling your, your husband of things that you spent already. Now, your husband needs to know why. Stop. He wants to know that where his money is going. So, really, there's no real need for it. Your husband's not going to go and spend over there. But if you're talking to your, to your friend, a man or a woman is talking to his friend, and they're saying, you know, I spent this week $200 on meat. $200 on meat? Wow. Well, what would you buy? A whole cow? 
Yeah, it was actually on sale. So you know that your friend, there's still more. The sale is not over. The next day. When's the sale over? Next week, he needs it. That's Asur. If you know that he needs it, but if your friend is a vegetarian, and he's telling you how much you spend on meat, no problem. Only a problem when you know he needs it. That's why Ben stresses. It's very common that people brag about how much money they spent and how much they saved. All Jews love each other and friends, especially when they, they, they care about each other. It's a known thing when you find something very good on sale and you bought for yourself already, you want to share that information. How many times do you get a phone call from your mother or your mother and says, run, run, run. This store has a sale, a big sale on something that you want. Right? This store is going out of business. Remember those, that, that uh, the cutlery set that you wanted? You're getting it now for 70% off. Everybody likes to share that information. It's great. It's fantastic. You got to be careful not to do it on Shabbat. It's a sword. However, if there's absolutely no need for your friend to know, you have people that are coming to your house on Shabbat and they're not married, they're not planning to buy anything for the household things, they're yeshiva bachrim especially, you know, they couldn't care less how much money you spend on meat, they're getting the food free from the yeshiva and on Shabbat they're coming to eat by you. So what point, there's no necessity for you, they don't care how much you spend money and it's not going to help them at all. So then, then you could say, this is how much I spend, even by a wedding, this is how much I spend for this building, this is how much I spend in the, in the, in the hall, whatever it is, and this is how much I spend in the supermarket on meat. All this is mutar. Again, the rule is, making calculations or speaking about how much money you spent is permitted on a condition that you or the person that you're speaking to has no need for that information. Good? That is the general rule. And it's still in all, be careful not to overdo it, not to talk too much about it either. The Benishai concludes with another halakha. It's just a one-liner, a small one-liner. Didn't come by itself, but it's an important halakha. Asur ledaber dabar It's forbidden on Shabbat for a person to speak about something that will cause him pain. Or even if the pain is in the past, you cannot speak about it if it's going to remind you or the other person about the pain. Give you a mashal of things that we may be familiar with and some things that maybe we haven't paid attention to. First of all, I went through a very, very horrible time. You know, uh, let's say, you know, he, he lost a relative that was very close to him. It could be a child, it could be a parent. You can't remind him about this on Shabbat. Now, why would somebody remind him? It's like, hey, how you feeling? Is it all, you know, you got over it? Somebody was engaged and now he broke up with uh, with his uh, with his fiance. It didn't work out. Or she broke up with him, really. Right? It was a week before the wedding. It was very tragic. And, you know, the, the, the girl called it off. Very heartbreaking. You go over to the guy, you know that he broke off, he broke off his engagement. You go over to him, oh, you know what I heard? I heard that your, your, your fiance, your ex-fiance, excuse me, she, she's, uh, she's getting engaged to somebody else. That hurts. That's very painful. You can't talk about that on Shabbat. It's Asur. I mean, it's conversation. I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about anything. Shabbat is a day of honoring of pleasure. And there are certain halakhot that tell us what we could talk about and what we could not talk about so we could keep that day enjoyable. When you talk about things that are hurtful, it's Asur. Now, there's no Isur in your words as far as Lashon Hara, as far as money is considered. But since you're causing pain to somebody else, that's Asur. You know what? If you're doing it on purpose just to cause them pain, 
then you might be aware in another isur min torah which is lotonu ishet amito. In this case over here, even if you're doing it very innocently, if you know that causes him pain, it's a sort to talk about it. Another, another example. Oh, you know who bought that building? This person. And you know that it's going to irritate him. You know that this person, you know, it's going to bother him because he wanted to buy the same building. And again, you're just making conversation. That is forbidden. So about that, you have to be careful with this. You have to think. Yes, we have to think before we speak. In general, we have to do it. But on Shabbat, even more so. On Shabbat, we have to keep the environment enjoyable. Don't speak about things that cause pain. Give you something that maybe people will not mention. It is true that we have much more time for conversation on Shabbat, especially husband and wife. If there is an issue that is very pressing, that's very important to be discussed, but you know it's going to cause pain to your spouse, husband to wife, or wife to husband, and you know he's going to get all agitated, he's going to get all excited about it, or she's going to get so upset about it, don't talk about it on Shabbat. If it's so, make an appointment to speak about it on Motsa'i Shabbat. Anything that causes pain is forbidden. Don't tell your husband that his mother hurt your feelings again. You know how upset he gets when he sees that there's friction in the family between you and his mother. So don't talk about it on Shabbat. Ah, oh, when am I going to talk about it? Try to talk about it after Shabbat. If you're planning to go to their house on Shabbat, to your in-laws' house on Shabbat, and you know that there's some... Uh, friction between you and your mother-in-law and it's a pressing issue and you have to talk about it now because otherwise it's going to become worse okay fine but otherwise if it's not going to become any worse you're just causing pain on Shabbat you're not allowed to speak about it and this applies with everything and I'll tell you something else people don't realize a lot of people are not you know today yes most people are uh, you know have access to the internet and they know what's going on in every part of the world but those who don't know so much what's going on in the news if you know that certain information will hurt them, to, you know, uh, in the news will hurt, the, will give them pain, you're not allowed to talk about it. Lemashal. A person who doesn't know about the news that's going on in Israel, for you to tell him there has been three stabbings in Israel this week on Shabbat where he has, he can't do anything about it. It's just going to make him feel bad. You can't tell him on Shabbat. You can tell him before or after Shabbat, but not on Shabbat. It's a cause of pain. I remember when the whole thing happened with Levi Kletsky, it really, it, I, it hurt so much. I had to. T I took off a week that that Shabbat from shul, right on the spot. I told my wife, "We have to go away for Shabbat. I can't. I can't this whole thing." And from then, I decided not to listen to the radio because it was just crazy. It just you keep on hearing these things, and uh, it kills you after a while. Whereas it's very heavy. It made it makes a person depressed. You can't talk about these conversations on Shabbat. It happened. There's nothing to do about it anymore. Oh, the rav sometimes brings up the news. That's very, very painful. A Rav in his speech on Shabbat morning sometimes brings up the news and he speaks about things that are painful. In that case, there's something to do about it. He wants to stir the people to do Teshubah. From the Tsar, he's going to bring them to do Teshubah. He's going to bring them closer to Kadosh Baruch Hu. But stamp to give people Tsar on Shabbat, it is forbidden. And we're going to learn soon regarding reading material that causes a person Tsar. That's also forbidden. The idea is talking in conversation, no matter what the conversation is. If that person is going to get sour from it, or you are going to get sour from it, it's forbidden to talk about it on Shabbat. It falls under the forbidden speech on Shabbat. With this, we move on to Halakha Zayin. And now we are entering a whole new subject over here. In Zayin and Hit, although they look like two short Halakhot in the Benish High, they actually contain so much. And really, there's a lot of Halakhot over here that are so practical, that are so applicable 
on a regular Shabbat basis. You'll see, you'll be shocked about these halachot because you say, well, but everybody does it. And there's a rule, it doesn't make a difference what everybody does because <laughs> we learned already, you have to know what the halakha is. And you have to know, even when everybody is doing it, you can't just dismiss them and knock them. There's a rule that I learned from a very big Tamir Hakam. He's now the Manchester Rav. He says, whenever you see something that looks like, you know, whenever you see from people, talking about religious people, not talking about religious when you see religious people are doing something, and you see that, you know what, it doesn't make sense in halakha, how they're doing such a thing, you can't go around shooting down religious people. If they're doing it, especially when there's Rabbanim, they're not opening their mouth, they're not doing anything, as we can see soon, you can't just go and shoot. There's something there. You have to first of all learn the halakha and see what is the halakha. If the halakha, maybe you don't know the halakha. Maybe you heard the halakha from somebody and you think that's asur and then you open up and you realize that, hey, <laughs> it's really mutar. Whoever told me this halakha was going with this stringent opinion. I remember when, uh, you know, before I started learning the halakha, when I was in yeshiva, so in yeshiva, you don't learn real halakha. You open up, you open up, you open up, you open up, you know, something very quick or you hear halakha from just random people and that's as far as your halakha is. And I remember a certain halakha that I read in Yakut Yosef that he says it's forbidden to do such a thing. And then I went to a certain place and I saw that the rough of the place was doing against what it says in Yakut Yosef. And I said, well, I can't believe this. You know, and Yakut Yosef spoke very, very strongly against this halakha. And I said, how could this person do such a thing? The guy must be an Amaradis, this rabbi. Later on, I started learning. I came across the same halakha, but now I'm learning it from the source. Tur, Bet Yosef, Shohan Aruch. And all the mefrashim, I saw, hey, it's not so simple. There's matirim and there's osrim. So the rabbi is going with the opinion that's matir. In fact, the matir was a benish high. So why am I going crazy? Okay, Yakut Yosef is osrim, but it's a mahlokir at the end of the day. And he has every right to go with the benish high, especially if the rabbi himself is Iraqi, of course. So therefore, you have to be careful. When you learn a halakha and you see that's forbidden, and you look around and you see people are not doing it, first you have to know what the real halakha is. Once you discover the halakha is really asur, why are people doing it? Then you have to search. Search a little bit more and find out why are people doing such a thing when it seems like it's asur. Then you have to speak to prominent rabbanim, tamidah hakamim, poskim, and ask them. Don't just go around shooting. If you still see that there's really no heter, okay, there's no heter, then you have every right to say, hey, these people are doing wrong. But if you see that they have a heter, and sometimes the heter may be the mutab shiyu shogagim al mezidin. What does that mean? Mutab shiyu shogagim al mezidin. There's sometimes halakha says that people could do something and we know and we know that they're doing something wrong. And we warn them, but sometimes the warning we know will go on deaf ears. They'll know that's wrong, but they're so attached to this isur. And, they, and, and therefore, if you tell them they're going to do the isur anyway, and this time the Isur will become worse. Because by you telling them the Isur, they're not going to stop. So therefore, there becomes that there's Mezid, they're doing Na'virah on purpose, as opposed to doing it by mistake. Till now, they're doing it by mistake. They don't know 100%. They think it's Mutar. The Na'virah is on a lower level. But if they, but once they know, and they're not going to stop anyway, they're going to be Mezidin. In that case, keep him out shot. There's a lot of details to this Halakha. That this halakha is brought down in the post scheme many, many times. In fact, to go into it a little bit, the halakhot of tochaha, 
there are halakhot of when a person could open his mouth about halakha or to tell people off that they're doing something wrong. And one, you have to be smart because on one hand, if you tell people that they're doing something wrong and they listen to you, they stop the issue that they're doing, that's great. You you stop them. But on the other hand, you have to be smart also. If you know that certain people will not listen, will never listen to you, and you tell them anyway, so then in that case, you made their avira worse. You took them from a shogeg to a mezid. Till now, they were doing avira by because they didn't know any better. Now that you told them that you guys are doing avira and they're continuing to do the avira and they're not stopping, so now you made their avira be mezid and their punishment is going to be worse. So you came in order to save, but you ended up messing up more. You came to try to lighten up their isur. You're trying to save them from doing things that are forbidden, but now you're telling them it's asur and it's doing it anyway. Now you made them have a bigger avira. So when do you, what does that mean? So do you never open your mouth? What happened to the pasuk? There's a pasuk that says you have to reprove, you have to correct your friend. Hokeyah means not to bash him and to knock him. Hokeyah means clarify for him. Like in this week's parasha, it says Eliezer was praying for a wife for Yitzhak and he says that the woman that will offer water to my camels, she says birarata. You have to clarify. You have to clarify for your friend what he's doing wrong in order to correct him. And if you have the ability to stop him from doing Navira and you don't stop him, you are responsible for his Navira. So then how, how do you balance this out? So there's Halakot. There's the Shohan Aruch. Shohan Aruch tells us exactly what we're allowed to tell and what we're not allowed to tell. And these are important Halakot of Botai because you're never patur completely. And you have to know when you're not allowed to open your mouth. Rule number one, when it comes to telling other people when they're doing something wrong, the rule is as follows. If it's something that's forbidden in the Torah, and it says it clearly in the Torah that it's forbidden, you have an obligation to tell the Jew what he's doing, what he's doing that he's doing something wrong, and that he has to stop it. And he has to do what it says according to halakha. Let's give an example. Here's an issue that says in the Torah. It says in the Torah, you're not allowed to eat pig. Right? It says it clearly. Hazir is one of the forbidden foods. Now you know this guy is eating pig. Whether he knows it's asur or he doesn't know it's asur. You have an obligation in the Torah to go up to the person and say, stop doing what you're doing. You're doing something forbidden. Even though you know for a fact that he's not going to stop. Even though that you know he's going to go and eat a McDonald's tomorrow and, and afterwards and the day afterwards. In fact, he's the owner of, of that McDonald's and he wants to eat there. You have an obligation to tell him, you can't eat a cheeseburger. You can't eat uh, a, a, a ham. You can't eat all these non-kosher foods. A person who's mehalel Shabbat also says it straight in the Torah. You know, mehalel Shabbat. You know that he puts on a fire. You know that he drives on Shabbat. You have an obligation to tell him that he's doing an isur. Whether he know whether he's going to listen to you or not, you have to tell him. How long do you have to tell him for? You have to keep on reminding him. You have an obligation to keep on reminding him until the point that he is about to hit you. That's what it says. That doesn't mean he's about to really hit you if he's going to really hit you. You have to put yourself in second. Now, that's also halakha in Yoredeha. You have to tell him to the point that he's ready to hit you. When he says, leave me alone already, and he's storming off you, I don't want to listen to you anymore, 
And then you know that you reached, you know, when you, you reach the level of tokaha. If you keep on telling him and he, every time he just nods his head and he just ignores you, whatever it is. So that means your words may have an effect. If he gets to the point when he yells at you and screams at you, or he's ready to hit you, then you're patur. You don't have to tell him anymore. You, yatsate de hobam, and that's it. From now on, the obligation is on his head. He's been warned about something that's clearly said in the Torah. And you're patur, you did your job. You will not be held responsible. But so long as he doesn't do that to you, you have to keep on reminding him. You have to tell him. Didn't I tell you last week, you can't eat, coach, you can't eat non-kosher? And now it feels uncomfortable. But still, you don't know. Sometimes, and most of the time, your words may have an effect. If he didn't fight you off, he didn't shrug you off, he didn't yell at you, he didn't tell you, leave me alone, obviously your words have an effect that he didn't say anything back to you. Again, it might feel uncomfortable. But that's what it says in halakha. That's your obligation. Again, it only applies to things that are asur min torah and they are clearly expressed in the Torah. I'll give you an example. We said non-kosher is clearly says in the Torah you have to eat non you have to eat kosher food, you're not allowed to eat non-kosher animals. Here's something that it says in the Torah, but it's not clear in the Torah. It says in the Torah that a woman who's married has to cover her hair, but it's not clear. It's understood through Remis. It's understood from the story of Sota, where the Kohen uncovers the, the, the head of a married woman. From there, says the Gemara Ketubot, we learn that married women should cover their hair. But it doesn't say straight out. So now, if you see a woman, talking about the woman, obviously, if you see a woman who is walking around without covering her hair, and you know for sure she's not going to listen to you, you don't have an obligation to tell her. If you know for sure she's not going to listen to you. However, if you think that there's a possibility that she might listen to you, or this applies, by the way, not only to mitzvot that are not clear in the Torah, but even mitzvot dirabanan, halachot midirabanan. If you have a doubt that the person may listen to you, you have an obligation to tell them. So let's take a woman who sees her neighbor that she's not covering her hair. And maybe she doesn't know about it. So she goes over there and says, you know, you have to cover your hair. If you see, she says, oh, thank you very much. I know, but I'm not in the mood to do it. That's it. You know, you did your obligation. Enough. Leave her alone from now on. You thought that maybe your words, will, she might hear you. But if you know this woman's anti and she's not going to listen and she doesn't think that there's an obligation to put on, the, to cover her hair, you don't have to say anything. You know that she won't accept it. Sometimes you should know that people don't want to accept what you have to say. Meaning, there's some people that just don't like you. Let's accept it. There's certain people that just, you know, as, as charming, as, as wonderful, uh, as wonderful as you think you are, some people don't like you. That's a fact of life. Not everybody has to like everybody. You should. But the fact of life is not everybody likes you. Accept it. If you know that somebody doesn't like you, then your words are going to go on deaf ears. Don't say anything to them. Because sometimes people don't want to hear it from you. It's not that they don't want to hear the halakha. They don't want to hear it from you. And then you might put them in a position when they are mezid. So you have to be careful. So therefore, sometimes as a rav, he has the ability to influence someone where you can't. And if you know that this person will not listen to you, don't say anything to them. Why? What do you mean? I'm trying to save him. No, you might make the avira worse. Because now you're telling him something that you that he could have listened. He could have done it if you heard it from the Rav. When you tell him, now he wants to do it just to spite you. And we learn these halakot, Rabotai, from where? From Yom Kippur. There's a mezvah min Torah to accept Yom Kippur early. That means, let's say Yom Kippur begins at 6.30, 
if a, per, a person has to stop eating, let's say 6.20, some say even as early as 6 o'clock, or 6.10 that is. This is a halakha. The Shohan Aruch brings on that in their days when ladies were not educated, in their days when ladies didn't go to school, didn't know how to read, so they knew about what it says in the Torah. And they knew that you have to fast on Yom Kippur. And they always know that the day begins at sunset, which is 6.30. Why are you telling them now to stop at 6.10? They're not going to listen to you. So the Halakha says, although they're doing something wrong, because Halakha does say you have to accept it earlier, they don't want to accept it until 6.30. Halakha says, don't tell them anything. Why? If you tell them that's forbidden, then what's going to happen is they're going to do it anyway. And now they're doing it bemezid. Now they're doing na'avirah on purpose instead of shogging. Until now they think it's mutar. Even though we all know that the truth that there's certainly not mutar. So this is the halakha. This halakha teaches us that if something that's not clearly expressed in the Torah, like adding on to Yom Kippur, if you know for a fact that people will not listen to you, don't tell them. If you have a doubt, the possibility that maybe they'll listen to you, you, you tell them. However, if it's a mitzvah that's clearly expressed in the Torah, and a person is not keeping it, even though you know for sure that they're not going to listen to you, you must tell them anyway. Why? Because otherwise, uh, you're not keeping what it says in Torah. Even what it says in Torah. How, far, how much you have to tell them until the point that they're ready to hit you. We have a phone call. We leave. Hello? Yes. Hello? Yes. Um, I don't want to be on the air. So then uh, I recommend you call in 15 minutes. Okay. Let's come back now to, to what we're talking about. Now that we finished the halakhot of Tokaha, we will move on to the next subject. The subject is, like we said, Shtare Hediotot. Shtare Hediotot is a very big subject. It has a lot of halakhot. And we'll begin just today with the introduction, what are Shtare Hediotot? And the details of all these halakhot, we'll have them next week. By next week, hopefully, we'll have them all clarified of what is permitted to read and what is not permitted to read. Let's start with basics. I want to point out, though, that a lot of people get mixed up on learning this. In myself, I also had the same problem. When you come to learn these halakhot, they're found in Siman Shin Zayin. Now, most people learn the Siman ala Seder in order. You know, you go Alakha Aleph, then Bet, then Gimel, Dalet, Hevav. So these halakhot are from, I believe, from halakha yud bet until yud hit. Many people, when they come to learn these halakhot in order, it gets very confusing. I recommend if you're learning these halakhot inside, you start learning halakha yud gimel first, then you jump back to yud bet, and then you continue to, again, do again yud gimel one more time, and then yud dalit, and then continue till yud hit. That's a way to learn it, and you'll see that's much clearer that way. Let's begin with a background. Hakamim said they made a special gizah, this is all the Rabbanan, that one cannot read Shtare Hediotot on Shabbat. What in the world is Shtare Hediotot? So, answer is Shtare Hediotot, like the tra little translation means, documents that are not Kodesh. Torah is Kodesh. It could be written on a document, it could be written on a letter, it doesn't make a difference, but it's Kodesh. Non Torah items, are called Shtare Hediotot. What exactly falls in the category of Shtare Hediotot, we'll see soon, Mazat Hashem. But until now, let's just get this, that there's a, there's an Isur Midderabanan, is forbidden Midderabanan for a person 
to read on Shabbat. Why? We find three reasons. The Bach brings all these three reasons. According to the Rambam, the reason is you might come to erase. If you read these documents on Shabbat and you see that something you don't like, you might come to erase it. You might come to cross it out. That is forbidden. Midoraita, to erase something is midoraita. It's a surah midoraita, so therefore haza will go there. According to Rashi, no, there's a different isur. This falls under the category of Atzot Hafatzecha. If you remember, we mentioned the Pasuk last week. We say, You're not allowed to do things on Shabbat that are your needs on Shabbat. By you reading these documents on Shabbat, you're doing your needs on Shabbat. That's forbidden. Even though you're not doing an actual melakha, but that falls under the category of Atzot Hafatzecha. There's another reason that's brought down by the Rishonim is that it might lead you to writing. When you look at these documents, you might come to write on the side, on the margins, in a different paper. Therefore, they're forbidden. The Hakamim, for all these reasons combined, forbade a person to read Tarih Yitot. When we speak about reading, you should know, reading includes two things. Reading means, like the way I read over here on, during the class on the radio, where I actually express it with my mouth, I actually read with my mouth. That's one type of reading. The other type of reading means even reading with your eyes. So when we say right now, you're not allowed to read your thought, it means either way, you're not allowed to read it by actually speaking it, or even if you just read it with your eyes, it's also forbidden. There are exceptions, and we'll point out these ex exceptions. But when we say from now, as we discuss whenever we discuss you're not allowed to read when, for example when we say you're not allowed to read your phone belongs about it means even if you read it with your eyes so I just want to point this out and I have to repeat it again and again what are considered so there is one category that everybody agrees on they are considered and then there's another category that there's what everybody agrees is are any documents that speak about business that speak about money for example, your bills, your phone bill, your electric bill. That's thought You get a letter from you. You get a letter, let's say, and you see you see on your debt on your table, even if it's open already, but you see your um, what do you call it the credit card bill, and you want to see how much was spent. It's done already. That's a surah on Shabbat. That's called shtarehediyotot. This is not debatable. Everybody agrees on this. Also included in this category. Letters that have to do with money, such as letters from the IRS. Let's say you see a letter from the IRS, and they're telling you, oh, what do they want from me now? That's called a letter from the DMV. And it doesn't talk about money over there. They may tell you that your license has been uh, brought back. It's not in suspension anymore. All this is These are documents uh, dealing whether with money or dealing with business. Even if it's not your direct business, that's forbidden on Shabbat. Even though it's talking about things that happened in the past. Yeah, you already know that your license has been suspended. You got a letter already. Now they're sending you a second letter to confirm it. And you know how the process works. This letter is forbidden to read on Shabbat. It's done already and you know about it. That's still called Shadeh Yotot. You're not allowed to read it. Category number two of what's called Shadeh Yotot. We have a mahloke between Rashi and Tosafot. Letters. Letters that people write to each other. And this letter, by the way, just means any, any kind of letter. It means to say, let's say I write a letter, I'm, I want to write a letter to my friend, and I'm writing to him, and I say, uh, it's been a long time, we've been in yeshiva together, I just want to check up on you, how is everybody doing? 
contained in the letter. You'll see a picture of my uh, of my family. How's your family? How many kids are you up to? What are they doing? How's your business going? I can, you know, it's just a nice way of talking. That's a letter. That letter, according to Rashi, falls in the category. Why? Does it contain Torah? I'm not writing him to tell him Hiddush and Parashat Hayesara. I'm not writing to tell him Hiddush and Hilchot Shabbat. Even if it's not a Hiddush, I'm not telling him uh, an idea, a Torah idea. That's called Shtarei Hiddiotot, according to Rashi, forbidden to read it on Shabbat. Tosafot say, no. This letter, it's not a problem. Tosafot have an issue because they see that people read letters on Shabbat. Say, what's going on? How come you're reading letters on Shabbat? So according to Tosafot, letters that people write to each other are mutari. You know why? Because... When you open up the letter, you might see things that pertain to Pikuach Nefesh. Once upon a time, if you wanted to communicate to someone, you could have done it in one of two ways. Or three ways, but the second way is real, and the third way is very similar. One way is to go personally to the person and tell him what you want to communicate to him. The second way is that you, if you can't go all the way to the other place, you're living in Yerushalayim, and you want to send the letter to your friend who's living in America. So either you travel to America and you tell him what you want to tell him, the other way was to send him either a messenger or a letter. So if you send a letter to your friend in America, you're telling him basically something that might be pertaining to him. You might tell him, listen, there is a person who is coming after you. I'm sending you this letter because I know it's going to take him four weeks to get to you. And I know this letter will reach you before him. So take care. Make sure you protect yourself from this person or this person is dishonest. is coming to rob you. Be careful. So that's why it says to Safod, you could read letters on Shabbat because they might contain information that could be pikuah nefesh, that could save your life. However, the Psaq al is not that way. Listen to the words of Shuhana Ruch. In Siman Shin Zayin, <coughs> he writes the following. He says, Shtarehidiotot, Dehainu, what are Shtarehidiotot, says Banan? Shtrehobot Veheshbonot, which we all agree on. These are documents that speak about different types of calculations or things that, monies that you owe. Also says, Maran, what is also called? Even letters which people are writing just to say hello or, or, or you know, checking up on other people. It's forbidden to read them on Shabbat. Even if you are not reading them with your mouth, just to read them with your eyes, like we said, that's also forbidden on Shabbat. This is the opinion, this is a Psaq al of Shulchan Aruch. Now, that is a background, really, to Shtarei Hediotot, why Hachamim were gozer on Shtarei Hediotot. What are Shtarei Hediotot, again? These are documents that deal with money, even things that you don't need for the future, but things of the past, that's still called Shtarei Hediotot. It's also in the category of are also the uh, according to Shohan Aruch is the opinion what, what Rashi says the opinion of Rashi and that is anything that even letters from one to another is also called See I have only four minutes I can't go into the Benish High now because there's so much contained in these words but that's what we're going to keep it to next week if anybody has a question you can call in right now if not We'll just basically summarize and, and uh, just conclude over here by giving you the numbers to the station again. 718-683-5858. This is the call in. We'll be signing off soon. So if you'd like to call in and ask any questions off the air, you can call in now. Text in your question. You can call 
or text at 347-927-8398. This class today on Wednesday will be repeated again tonight on jradio.com at 11 p.m. till 12 a.m. And this, next week we'll continue with these halakhot of what one could read and what one cannot, what person could and cannot read on Shabbat. Very, very practical halakhot. We'll talk about reading invitations, magazines, novels, books, which kind of debate are you allowed to read? And there's many, many different cases. That will all be next week. Make sure you join us on Wednesday at 2 to 3 p.m. Till then, have a wonderful week and Shabbat Shalom. Thank you to Iran and the whole J Radio staff. Thank you very much. Shabbat Shalom.